Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners and watchers, welcome to another chapter of the SDR Disco Call Show. I'm your host, Neil Buyan. If this is your first time visiting us, this is a show built for brand new sales development reps learning from other sales development reps in the world of tech sales from around the globe. And I have the lucky job of interviewing these people and learning more about their stories. If you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're listening to this in our local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a rating and subscribe to the show. So coming back to our guest, this is somebody that I met in a former life when I was a hiring manager. And I took a shine to this person uh, and we stayed connected after that. And we had a couple of chats and then I said, you know what? I think you need to come on the show. So guest, for the listeners and watchers, could you please introduce us? Who are you? Who am I? Well, Neil, thanks so much for the intro. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sid. My full name is Siddharth Mahatra. I'm originally from India, but I'm, I'm just known as Sid. Thank you very much, Sid the Kid. Welcome to the show. Uh, so Sid, as you mentioned, uh, where are you currently based in the world and where are you normally based? Well, currently, I'm actually speaking to you from Delhi, New Delhi, uh, which is actually my home. That's where my family lives. And yep, and this is exact. And the house that I'm currently in is was uh, was a house built by my great grandfather. So it's a lot of history, a lot of presence here. Um, but originally, where I, where I actually live and where I'm based is out of Leiden in the Netherlands, and and where I work is uh, just half an hour away in Amsterdam. Love it. So for our both different audiences out there, namaste to everybody in New Delhi and Morgan to everybody in the <laughs> Netherlands. So Sid, so you're somebody that works for a company called Swipe Guide and you're a senior enterprise business developer. Could you just give us a short pitch as to who is Swipe Guide and what do they do? Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, Swipe Guide is a real interesting company. Um, to give you some context, uh, I like to simplify things when I talk about the company I represent. So imagine imagine like an industrial environment or imagine like a factory, right? So uh, mm-hmm. typically in a factory, you can associate it with, uh, you know, many complex procedures, many machines, a lot of chaos happening. And, and what we've discovered at Swipe Guide is that uh, the way um, you know the instructions are delivered to these people uh, who, are, who are operating the machinery is quite complex. It's it's usually a paper manual which is stuck somewhere in the corner of a factory, and um, this is obviously inconvenient mm. if you need uh, you need quick support information in in the hand in the moment of need. So Swipe Guide is a platform that allows these industrial companies to very easily digitize these working instructions so that people on the shop floor can have access to information when they need it uh, just on their mobile. So that's really what we're doing. We're looking to sort of digitize the working instructions by providing very human step-by-step support for them. I love that. That's a great pitch, my dude. So if I get it right, people that are working on factory floors, if they need guides of how to move about machinery, et cetera, or, you know, work big pieces of machine, they can access these guides on their phone or whatever device. Is that right? That's exactly right. And I mean, just the tagline to take away from it is that we want to simplify any complicated task. And then we do that by changing the way the instructions actually laid out, making them more visual, making them very easy to understand. 
Love it. Thank you very much, sir. So like I ask with all guests outside of sales and sales development, Sid, what is your kind of like, what floats your boat? What sort of interests do you have outside of sales? Yeah, I mean, I have quite a lot of interests to be fair. Um, but if I had to narrow them down to sort of three or four like major interests, the first one I would say is probably cricket. So being an Indian, um, you know, having, yeah. yeah, yeah. Also living in England as a kid for a while, cricket is generally a popular yeah. sport. So yeah, that's pretty much like a religion for me. Um, my dad and I basically used to watch cricket when I was about six, seven years old. So it's, I've been pretty much following it for the last like two decades. Um, so yeah. cricket is something when I can and when I have the time, I'm definitely watching a game, following up with some cricket, specifically test cricket as well. Um, and yeah, otherwise I'm a huge, like you, Neil, a huge music head. Um, so I, I would say that I don't really have a particular genre that I'm focused on because I like all types of music. But if I had to say one, it would be hip hop, uh, specifically nice. like old school hip hop. Um, I'm a huge hip hop head. And uh, usually when I have a really stressful day at work and I want to just calm down, um, what I do is I put some instrumentals from like the 90s, 2000s and just start scribbling some some lyrics and just try, trying to freestyle as well. It kind of in a weird way, like, uh, yeah, it kind of stimulates my sales as well. It gives me confidence. It, it helps me speak, articulate myself in a particular way, it empowers me. So I love music in that sense. And then the third thing, uh, I think like my generation, it's quite common that we like to travel, explore, and, and I would say I'm the same. So anytime I have the opportunity to visit a new culture, um, try a new cuisine, I'm always, I'm always for that. I love so those that. Are the, so the main things. I, lo- I, I love that. And I've learned a, a hell of a lot more about you, sir. So a bit of cricket. <laughs> Um, you like a bit of hip hop and writing some bars, maybe yeah. you might have to spit some bars on today's session because I do the same <laughs> thing. I, at the end of my day, I put on some instrumentals and I like write some, like do some stuff. Um, I, I absolutely love that. But a question on the hip hop piece, because yeah. I love my old school hip hop. Mm. And I know this is v- probably a very tough question to answer, mm. but if you were to say Biggie versus Tupac, who would you choose and why? Uh, Biggie, a hundred percent. Uh, I'm, I'm. Like you can't, yeah, you can't deny, you can't deny the West Coast, you can't <laughs> deny Tupac, but um, it's just, yeah. the, it's the smooth, it's the, it's the presence that Biggie had, it's the flow that he had, it's, it's the aura he had. I just, I think that's unrivaled. So, um, although I think Tupac has more reach, he had more of a message. Maybe you could argue. I just think Biggie all the way in terms of just talent and uh, and what he could do on the mic. Sure. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in agreement and maybe some of our listeners or watchers uh, are either like jumping for joy and say yeah he's my man or some other people say no nah, no nah, it's all about west coast baby so uh, again watchers and subscribers and listeners tell us your thoughts by leaving some comments in the comment section below like who would you go for Tupac or Biggie but yeah I'm a Biggie man all day long and I loved his flow and I love the way that he was able to rhyme in yeah. beat as if it was yeah. like an instrument itself and yeah I, I, I've been listening to Biggie all weekend all sure. right, so <laughs> coming back to the world of you know sales and sales development, that's kind of what we're here for today. Um, what I love to do, so again, if you're watching this or listening to this in your local platform, we like to screen share. And we're going to visit um, Sid's LinkedIn profile at the moment. And again, with all of our guests that come into this show, we always put links to their LinkedIn profile. If you want to reach out with them and you want to connect them, connect with them and you know ask, uh, pick their brains or maybe ask Sid for some bars, feel free to do so. <laughs> So, Sid, like you've had quite a colorful career. Uh, so if we check out on your experiences, if we go right to back in the day, you'd worked in corporate communications at Cairn Oil and Gas as an internship. 
Um, you'd worked at Indo-Russian Relations. You've been a BDR at The Introduction. You've been a BDR at Easy Generator. You've had quite an extensive stint at SensorFact. Uh, and then most recently, you're now a senior enterprise business developer at Swipe Guide based out in the Netherlands. So Sid, like, in your own words, could you walk our audience through, like, what was your history? What was your journey like starting from the beginning? And how did you end up at Swipe Guide today? Sure. Um, yeah, that's, um, yeah that, that's, a, that's a long journey in, indeed. I mean, it seems quite short, three and a half years. But it feels like almost like 10 years. But let me start from the beginning. Um, in general, um, I was someone who wasn't really, I didn't wake up uh, wanting to be an SDR or it didn't come to me quite naturally. So, um, mm. I mean, I found out about it quite later on in life. I didn't even know what an SDR was until I was 23, 24. Um, my academic background, as you can see, has been in international relations. It was quite humanities focused. Um, I had ambitions to, you know, join the UN. And maybe do a PhD research, um, but then life had other other things in plan in store for me. You know, um, yeah. basically halfway through my master's degree, I kind of realized that um, I didn't want to pursue academia anymore for a number of reasons. Um, mainly, I found it um, to have its own political bureau, like bureaucrat bureaucrat yeah. bureaucracy bureaucracy um, that uh, in general uh, I was quite disillusioned by. I didn't want to really be a part of it. Um, and I wanted to do something practical, something real, um, something where I felt like I was making an impact. Um, the thing mm. is that I always questioned myself, like with all this research, what am I actually changing? Um, so with these realizations and also I needed to fend for myself shortly after my master's because there was no funding coming in for me. Um, yeah. I realized what can I do? So I have all these transferable skills. You know, I know I know about different parts of the world. I can generally articulate myself quite well. How do I transfer this into something that that pays money and that I can actually build a career from? Something that I like, something that I can cause an impact with. So I literally just started exploring, um, looking on LinkedIn for what what's possible with my qualifications. Uh, and I realized that the, the jobs that were available were really in the remit of marketing, communication, sales. Um, and the one that interested mm. me more was the sales aspect. Um, also thinking that it's something that could provide me a lot of benefits later on in life. I thought it's a very important skill to have. So mm. I basically just started applying for jobs halfway into my master's and um, I sent out about 183 applications. Um, wow. I then got 20 uh, sort of callbacks. I got 10 interviews, five second interviews and two jobs. Um, and then from and, there on in. If if we can pause you there, because there's, you know, like to kind of recap that. So, you know, like with academia, like you kind of wasn't happy with the bureaucracy around it. So you kind of thought to yourself, right, I want to go and do something that provides the impact. And you're going onto LinkedIn and you're trying to marry up with, you know, what your qualifications have and how you can match it to a role. And it could come into the element of marketing and sales. So that's a lot of reflection going on in that point. And where you say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but 183 applications you're sending out. Yeah. Now, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners and watchers have probably are even in that phase right now where they're, you know, checking out LinkedIn because everyone's selling, well, you need to go on LinkedIn because that's where all the jobs are at, right? Um and they're trying to compare themselves with where they want to go to. And then there may be this element of fear of, okay, well, when do I start applying? Should I apply for this person? Am I too good? Or do I not have enough and stuff like that? What was your kind of process of getting those 183 in the door to then get those 20 callbacks? How, how did that work for you, Sid? 
Yeah, it's a great question, Neil. Well, I mean, at the beginning, since it was like quite, I had really no experience of a job or a job search. So in the beginning, I was sending out applications, cover letters, um, you know, on the on the, the job rosters that were on LinkedIn. But then I saw that I wasn't really getting any replies or responses. So then I thought, okay, I need to change something. Um, and then mm -hmm. what I started doing is, okay, maybe I should connect with the people who are you know, responsible for that job or the managers. And yeah. let me let me actually speak to them. Like, I don't want to just go through a normal, like, a job application. I want to stand out from the crowd. So um, yeah. that's when I started, you know, receiving some feedback or receiving some positive news or negative news, something. At least a human being was talking to me this time. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, literally, like, and then I realized, okay, so... Um, I'm, I'm now connecting with these people. How do I stand out? So there were times where I would just yeah. even visit the company. I would look at their address on uh, LinkedIn, go in a suit, look smart, have my CV, or even just uh, give them a call. You know, what are other applicants not do? What, like, how do I speak to someone? How do I present myself? Um, and in that procedure, uh, over the 183 applications, I was then able to, yeah, successfully sort of refine my approach and then be in a position where I got two job offers. Um, but what you I said earlier that. on as well, uh, I think is very important because I was also looking at a job and overanalyzing, am I too qualified for this or not? Don't think that's the approach. Mm. I think you should just take a shot because if you don't ask, you don't get. So that was my philosophy there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you've, you've mentioned a lot of good things that you know you took the initiative of and you were improving as you went along. And kind of the other day I was on TikTok and I was like giving these three bits of advice of, you know, when you're going for that SDR job. The first thing is, and what you did, which was contacting the people that are in charge of that hiring position. So either the hiring manager or the recruit and reaching out to them first. And then also saying, you know, I really look forward to having that conversation with you. So reach out before job interview, I think is a great way to make a, a good impression off the bat. And then, you know, when you're, when you're going into that interview, again, there are many structures and guides to how you did it. And like you and me, we had an interview for a job and I think you fared very well. And we had a great discussion and it was, you know, you asked me solid questions like you did your research, you knew about the company and then you was asking about, okay, so what does it look like in terms of onboarding? What training and support am I going to have? What is future career development going to look like? And I was like, right, this guy is hungry for what he wants to get and he's kind of done his homework, which again leaves a lasting impression on me as a hiring manager. And I think the one, the last tip is the one not a lot of people do, but you did, and I was very happy that you did, is post-interview, you followed up, right? A lot of the time people, like, I remember when I was working at one client, I went through like 250 plus <laughs> candidates, right? And the ones that stood out to me were the people that followed up with me via email or they connected with me in LinkedIn shortly after the meeting and just thanking me for my time, you know? That's what makes people memorable, and I did it. And I, I, I've got the message here. It says, thanks again for your time, Neil. Got me thinking. Appreciate the heart-to-heart -heart honesty. Um, you know, you want to set time aside to discuss on a personal level about SDR careers and et cetera. And it got us talking for many months thereafter, right? Yeah. So again, to kind of summarize that, reach out before you go for the job interview. Have that conversation. Ask questions. Like, you're there to qualify them as well. And also reach out to those people post-interview and, uh, and thank them for their time. You know, you can always ask for feedback as well. So I, I absolutely loved the, the experience that I had with you, Sid. So props. Thank you very much. Um, but, you, you know, so you're going through those all those applications. You're, you're having those callbacks and everything. What, what happened after that, Sid? So I was left with pretty much two choices, uh, two job offers. Uh, one was in, within sales development and the other one was also in sales development, but um, like in a really 
sort of it was like a two-person company and it, it wasn't really let's say too attractive for me i wanted something a bit more so i went mm. for the second one uh, which is where i started my basically my career which is at the introduction um yep. and then basically i chose to take that one and i chose to do it because in that interview i was really really honest I, I told them look like this is what i can do this is what i don't know this is what i want to do and they appreciate that and they took a chance on me so that's how i kind of yeah started my career with them i felt like a common sense of trust i felt like they were they were really like backing the skills that i did have um and that yeah. sort of led me on to understanding what business development is that i could take on later mm. to like texas companies and with with you know getting into the introduction, which is you know excuse the pun the introduction to your sales <laughs> development career, right? Exactly. Compared to with that guy that you know you kind of start with academia, uh, academia, and you know you kind of figure out where can you make an impact, and then you're actually living this new role of sales. Like, what was the thought process of? Did I get to where I thought I needed to be, or was there this thinking that you know there must be more to this as well? Like. When you actually got there, what was your thoughts of actually being in that role and doing it? So yeah, exactly. That's a great question. Um, for the first week, I was just confused. Like I was doing, I was sending emails and I was calling people, but I didn't know why I was doing it. I didn't know what the point was. This was of all of this was like, I didn't, I didn't understand yeah. my significance within the company. I didn't understand. I just felt like a robot. Like okay, I have to clock in nine to five. I didn't really have a mindset. Um, and then over time, I started realizing that I have certain skills which I could really use like for example cold calling i noticed that in many companies like um like there's generally kind of a fear among sales reps to to pick up the phone sometimes um, and i understand because it can be nerve-wracking because the first cold call i ever i ever did at the introduction i, I threw up nearly threw up you know and then thousands and thousands it took me thousands <laughs> oh, of wow. cold calls to yeah yeah to master it but i mean in the beginning i was just like this is so unnatural to me because you know coming from a very theoretical place where it's very academic where you're talking about like marxist policy and marxist thought and like uh, you mm. know all these sort of political discourses um, it's it's a very different place to be. It's very real, human. Um, so yeah, definitely I was quite lost. Um, but then sort of two months in, I realized I had the skill of cold calling. And then I was able to mm. generate all these opportunities. And everyone's like, yeah, you're good, you're good. I'm like, really, really? I don't, I don't know. Um, so I would say the introduction was a place where I kind of discovered I had a skill. But I wanted to apply it to another company because the thing is with the introduction is that they were working for global marketing agencies, selling services. Yeah. So I was doing a bit of account management, a bit of SDR stuff, but I really wanted to go into tech, which is how I came yeah. across Easy Generator and Sensorfax. So basically the introduction was a good like place for to, for me to understand how a company works, how, how to like talk to people, how to outreach to people. But I wanted to yeah. then apply it to something that I felt was a great product and something that I could really get behind. <clears throat> got you so if, if i get it right the introduction it was more a case of selling services to to other agencies but you wanted to get around like a, an actual tech product or platform and yeah. kind of put your skills that you'd learn in that business and then apply there is that right exactly yeah that's right okay so what was life like at easy generate and sense effect like what was uh what was the journey like after that so my stint at Easy Generator was quite short-lived. It was only three months. Uh, reason being, um, to be very brutally honest, sometimes you, you come across managers that you might like. Sometimes you uh, come across people that you don't see eye to eye with. So it wasn't mm. a right fit. Um, I wasn't like, although I think uh, I was quite successful in my short stint, it was just not working. So actually at this point, I was quite... 
dejected because I had made like a huge career turn going from academia towards sales. I was kind of mm-hmm. doubting myself a little bit. I'm like, okay, I've got results, but why am I not able to like, yeah, I don't know. Why am I not able to go further? Why am I not able to progress? Um, am I really meant for this? I had a lot of questions and doubts. And then I came across Sensefact and probably that was the biggest blessing in disguise because um, they they saw that I'm, I'm someone who's really hungry, that I had a mindset that I really wanted to make an impact. And um, they thought that I could do a good job um, with what what uh, I was hired to do, which was to be an SDR of the Nordic market. Um, so over mm-hmm. there, they kind of gave me a blank, uh, you know, like a blank play. And they're like, uh, here you go. Here are all the resources you need. Here's your onboarding. Uh, go and make something happen. And I realized um, mm-hmm. that that is ideal for someone like me, you know, because I'm someone who mm. needs like, I'm very goal driven. So I like to have targets and, um, you know, the freedom to make it happen. And I think that's where all the creativity happens for me. So with SensorFact, I mean, I thought it was a great blessing. Um, I mean, I was able to like get promoted very quickly from being an SDR. Nine months later, I was a senior SDR to then onboarding and training SDRs, uh, English speaking SDRs. So within a year and a half, like my, <laughs> all the doubts that I was having during the time of the Easy Generator stint just vanished. Yeah. You know, I proved to myself I could do it. Um, and then okay. so, so that's where I really kind of got the hang of sales development and also a passion for it. I absolutely love that, dude. So like to break down a few topics here as well. So, you know, um, at Easy Generator, like you said, uh, with some managers, you can get on with them and some managers, you may not get on with them. And, you know, we've all experienced that, myself included, where I haven't got on with VPs of sales <laughs> when I've been a manager and I don't get on with them or there have been some great ones that I've learned from. And, you know, this yeah. happens, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of the time, when and this is for our audience because you may go through this yourself, right? And I want to give two perspectives: my perspective and Sid. I'd love to get your perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Where you know I've been doing this for like ten, fifteen years now, and in the early days, I used to take this stuff personal. You know, I used to think that there was an agenda against me, yeah. and you know that maybe that this person just couldn't see that I had this potential and I could go do this. And in hindsight. Years later, what I've then realized is going into management positions, I didn't realize the amount of stress and pressure that person was on and what was being asked of them. And sometimes, unfortunately, it then filtered down to the people on the front line of defense, which would be the SDRs. And I remember like at one point I was in one company where I was an SDR and I went through eight different managers in one year. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of realized at that point it was, okay, this is not an easy gig and it's not an easy gig to lead with that as well. So from my perspective, what I'm saying in a summary is, you know, sometimes it might be a personal thing or it may not be personal. It could be, you know, circumstantial based on what's going on in the company. Try not to take it to heart is what I've learned. But I'd love to know is like with hindsight now moving on from that, what's your perspective on, you know, where you may have not gotten with somebody? How would you have handled it now? That's, that's, I think the way you reflect on it is exactly the way I've reflected on it. Um, it took me a long time to get there. Um, so like after that stint, I was left pretty much clueless. I was very rebellious at that stage. I had, um, I was, I was kind of thinking from my perspective, right? Even though hmm. maybe I was right, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I was wrong. I don't know. But I think, uh, at that moment I was thinking I was right. So I, I had all this anger energy inside of me, you know, 
And in a way, it was actually good because it fueled me. It fueled me. Like I used that anger and I, and I used it to mm. work on myself and make sure I get to where I wanted to go. But then when I got to where I wanted to go and I got out of that negative space, I realized, wait, there's always two sides to a story, right? So then yeah. I just looked on it with a complete fresh perspective. And then as you said, you know, like when you step into the shoes of someone and you realize that there's other maybe greater business needs it's nothing personal mm. you know nobody wants to like most people are decent and nobody wants to you know put someone down it's just that the circumstances at the time could have allowed that person to make a certain decision which wasn't entirely their fault there's always more to it than just your side so that and then after that i was able to let it go and you know i wish that person yeah. the best i think he's a smart person and um yeah. and yeah and i was able to just free myself from the from the burdens of that situation but i was also able okay. to turn around the negativity which i think uh, was 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 a real fuel fuel for me but that that's i think different for, from person to person and indeed because there's been many and it's a very mature mindset to have so like well done to come into that conclusion because it's you know it's not easy like it's a journey to go through that as well and it's only in hindsight when we experience certain things that we can get a different perspective to it so you have to go through that to realize that so for a lot of our listeners and watchers you may be in a really hard stint with your manager at this moment in time but I think the best thing you can always do is, you know, just have a heart to heart where, you know, when I've had difficulties with individuals or like with leadership, I'm just like, can we just go for a coffee and chat? Mm -hmm. You know, and just said, let's take our work hats off for a minute. I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. It may, may be completely wrong, but I think it's important for you to know how I'm feeling. And I just want to know what's your take on it as well, you know. And there's been many a choice that I've made in life where I'm like, dang. I kind of built this up to the world saying, this is going to be the one for Neil and this is going to be great and everything's going to go good. And then when plans change, everyone's like, well, what happened to that thing you were doing? You're saying you're going to go build this and you're going to go do that and you're going to do this life. I'm like, yeah, that, that kind of didn't work out. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like where you said you had given up this academia and you'd taken this role, but you did a really useful and important thing in your life is you took the negative energy and you flipped it. And I know this is kind of like a video once I watched on Gary Vaynerchuk where he says, you know, when I get a lot of hate or I get a lot of people just not believing me, I just forget about it. But what I do is I take the energy and I try to spin it around and put it into something positive, which to your point, and you mentioned fuels and sometimes motivates you to go get bigger and better. You know, there's there's been a lot of times in my life, personal and business, where I've had hate or I've had people not believing. And especially from, you know, friends and family members, I've had it. I'm like, right, I'm not here to prove it to you. I'm here to prove it to myself. But I'm going to take what you've given me and I'm going to do something about it. You know, because I think the biggest, the worst question we can ask ourselves is when things go wrong is, why is this happening to me? It's a normal question and everybody asks it, but it's the wrong question to ask because you'll never find the answer. <laughs> it will madden you. But the question you want to ask yourself is, what are you going to do about it? And, you know, you did something about it and then you went off into sense of fact. And, you know, like you said, you've been an SDR. A few months later, you're a senior SDR. Then you was actually an SDR manager leading and training these people. What was that transition like going through all those different roles? And what was the end thinking of when you actually got into that management piece and you were leading those people? 
Yeah, it was. Um, it all happened so so quickly, you know, and and it happened, but it at the same time it felt like it was just so long in each role. So I guess it was quite dynamic, like any other startup or scale up. But I mean, it was really rewarding to be fair, because like I said, we like me and about four others were hired to sort of create a new region. So the company had typically been very Benelux focused, and now they wanted to expand to Europe and and you know the Nordics and all these other markets. And so it was really new. Like we didn't really have any presence there, and everything was like, uh, mm. how do we build something um, and what I noticed over there is that I really think the people you work with uh, really make the company great as well because like uh, it's always a teamwork it's never just a solo job so you need like like-minded AEs around you you need other people that are on the same mission and you understand why you're here um, and I think that's what made the whole process at SensorFact also really enjoyable for me. Um, so going from like a junior SDR to, since I was like one of the only English speaking SDRs working in the market, I was able to like generate a lot of opportunities, like since it was a blank market. Um, mm. And then I was able to sign up, like, like I told, I told myself, okay, I want a master sales development. Like, what is it, you know? And I, and I spent a lot of time even outside, let's say the traditional nine to five, making sure I really understand the market, the people, um, I was watching a lot of sales videos, learning from people, just trying to absorb as much as I can. And I was just cold calling a lot. You know, I realized for me personally, that was my preferred method of outreach. And within manufacturing, it's it's probably the best one. So I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. how do I perfect this? How do I make sure that I am in a position where I have the skill in my arsenal. Um, so I would just keep calling in the beginning. People would hang up on me. I was speaking to factories that factory directors in Sweden who might not even necessarily speak English that well um, because there was sort of the SME range. So it was it was a lot of like uh, you know pushing around. But then one day it just all kind of came together. You know, like um, it was it was a mix of all the time I spent. Um, and all the sort of resources I spent into perfecting this craft and it just worked. Um, and then I was able to generate, I think within my first three months, about 140 opportunities, first demos. Um, I was also nice. working very closely with my AE, uh, Michael. We were like uh, almost, it, the thing is we didn't have a traditional like, this is an SDR, this is an AE. We were working side by side, you know. How do we capture mm. this market? How do we go together here? We were like Vikings on a ship. So... Um, <laughs> I don't know, it, that guy kind of taught me how to really uh, sell with a team, which I think was really important. And then I discovered that my real passion is that I have all this knowledge, right? I'm, I'm observing all of these things. I see things a bit more uniquely than the typical, let's say, business commercial manager. I'm able to see people. I have all these ideas and suggestions, but I'm not able to sort of convey them. Um, and, then mm. I and then I thought at a stage when the, when the company was growing, when it was no longer just uh, me and four others uh, as SDRs, but you know, we're hiring 10, 12, 15 more. Um, oh, I've, I've kind of already set up this market. I can definitely help the others to do so as well with what I've learned. Um, and when I saw someone getting that support and, and sort of growing in front of me, it was really rewarding because I didn't have that at the start of my career. I didn't really have mm -hmm. someone to like, shape me and tell, tell me the mindset to have. And, um, and in that sense, I kind of realized my passion for sort of teaching and onboarding new SDRs. And I thought the journey to there was very long, but um, it was a great one. <laughs> I, lo I absolutely love that. You've like gone through a lot of experiences at a very fast pace, mm. which is, is really good because to expose yourself to those things is where you're going to be able to learn. Um, and if you have people beside you doing it as you're doing it as well, you get to learn together, but you get to win together as well. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes I think what can be very hard is to take stock and, you know, pause and reflect, okay, how far have I actually come and, you know, where am I going thereafter as well? 
And, you know, like leading those people and, and being able to give them advice, the things that you didn't get kind of brings me back onto a topic I wanted to discuss as well, where, <clears throat> you know, you've gone into this role at Sense of Fact where they said, okay, here's your onboarding, here's your lists, here's your training, like go make something happen. And you said you're the sort of person, and I'm paraphrasing here, that likes to be given the autonomy to go make something happen. And I think there's kind of two camps, and this would be really great for any SDR managers out there to listen to this piece as well. Because, you know, this is something that I struggle with as when I've been a manager, where, you know, I've built a process, I, I have a flow, and I know what's successful, and I know what works. And if I had a young individual such as yourself come to me saying, like, you know, I just want to do my own thing. As a manager, I'd be like, well, no, we've kind of made a process and it works quite well, you know you need to kind of follow the process. And, you know, that can rub against the grain with certain people. And I've had people that have been like that. We even had a guest on the show who was like that with me when I was their manager. And, you know, I, I've seen them gone off into other roles where they were then given that autonomy and freedom to do that thing mm. and they become very successful of it. Mm. So I think what I'm trying to ask is, what would you say to a manager who, you know, has a process, it has it all thought out, but you still want to do your own thing? What advice can you give to them to help them be a better manager for somebody like yourself? Yeah, um, I just think, uh, you know, you need to like, I mean, it, I had this conversation with my previous CEO as well. And um, there were a lot of times in Sense of Fact where I was just doing things even though I wasn't supposed to, but I was proving that it was correct and successful. So I'm the person who likes to do and then apologize later, to be honest, uh, because <laughs> I think the best way to show someone that something can work in an alternative way is by showing them, look, here is the result. Um, I think uh, if you do that mixed with having human conversations, as you mentioned earlier, Neil, like just uh, being in a position where you can just sit down with them for a coffee and say, look, you know, this is how I feel. This is how I believe it could also work. Can we try it? If it doesn't work, mm. then okay, we'll go back to your your tried and tested method. But let me just have this. I think communication can solve 95% of the issues. Um, and yeah. uh, And also sometimes you have to be a bit like entrepreneurial, right? Like I'll, I'll give you a quick mm. example. Um, so I was working with the Nordic market, but you know, the Nordics have a lot of holidays, especially in the industrial environment. So for example, yeah. the summer period, like any other, uh, like also the winter period is quite, um, is quite slow. Um, so I, I wanted to, I wanted more results. So I'm like, why don't we branch out? Why don't we go to South Africa? It's the same time zone. There's an energy crisis going on. Let, let's, let's explore the market there. Um, and, and I, like everyone was kind of against it. They're like, it's not on our plan. And I'm like, I had a gut feeling it could work. Um, and, mm. and my AE was also cool with it. He's like, let's just try it out. We're not, we don't have much else going on. Um, I was able to like generate a lot of opportunities coming from South Africa. We were able to close two logos within a month. And, um, and that just, everyone was like, oh, what? Oh, shit. Oh, sorry. Um, so um, in that sense, it works out. Sometimes it might not work out. But as long as you're um, going to own up to your mistakes, uh, if, if a mistake happens, that's yeah. also very important. And just communicating very clearly with, with the manager um, should get the job done. Just be honest and open. I love that. You, you're right. So, you know, there is this element of compromise. Um, but, you know, having that discussion, like, so if somebody came to me and said, like, look, love what you're doing now uh, and I know it brings results but I can definitely see there is another way that we could do it or I feel there is another way we could get success can you give me the time to go try this out and I'll come back and bring the results whether they're positive or negative and if they're positive then you know we've got a new way of working well hey and if they're not then you know I'm happy to try it your way and I think as a manager I'd be like yeah do you know what makes perfect sense 
and it's having that discussion. But I've, you know, like I've I've experienced where it's the friction of just like, no, no, I don't want to do it your way. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, give it a try. And I think I'm asking that of them of like, let's try this out and see where it goes. And if it doesn't, then we can go try it your way. So I think that's some solid advice for any managers out there that are thinking about, okay, you know, they've got somebody who wants to try stuff out. You need to let them experiment, you know. Yeah. That's how you find out new things in new ways, and it's A-B testing. So, no, solid yeah. bits of to, advice. To build on what you just said there, I think that, like, from a managerial perspective, if I have, like, a junior SDR coming to me and saying, hey, I have this idea, it's, what is it showing me? It shows that that person is thinking about their role, they're thinking about the future of the company, they're thinking about mm. good things, and why should I shut off that creative spirit? That 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 that's very hard to come by, you know. People who are who are thinking outside of the box, trying to trying to be successful for the company. Um, so it's worth a try, you know. Like uh, it's always it's always worth listening to people, um, and that that's both beneficial for you as a manager, the company, as well as the individual. So, hell to the year, hell to the year. So I love that. <laughs> And, you know, like, so, so moving on from like sensor fact where, you know, you're coming on to swipe guide and this was kind of like a bit of the transition where we, you know, met that time when we were hiring for a certain company. And I, I remember it as clear as day as to this guy was set up by our recruiter for me to have this conversation with them. And when he stepped into the room and we had that zoom, there was this big part of me, which thought this guy reminds me of me of in my early days of when I wanted to become an SDR and I wanted to get into tech sales and we had a great discussion and at that point like admittedly I kind of said I don't think this is the right place for you I don't think you're going to be able to grow in the way that you want to grow and that's kind of when we took the discussion offline and you know you asked for my advice like you were thinking about stuff you didn't know if a job was the right thing for you were you going above it were you going below it where you're going to get to later down in the life and the one thing that I sensed in you, said was this entrepreneurial spirit of you want to build something, you want to be a part of something, you want to help something grow. And that's a very great trait to have, especially as an SDR, but somebody in a future life as being a business owner of their own thing and doing it like that. And I wanted to know, like, would you agree with me that you have the entrepreneurial spirit? And if so, like, kind of what was that? What were your takeaways from our discussion, you know, post the interview with that company? Like what was going through your mind after that? Yeah, um, no, absolutely. I definitely think that um, sort of the key takeaways that I had from that discussion was that it's, you know, I think we're always very quick to get to the next next step, right? And we're always trying to rush everything really, really quickly. And sometimes that's not the case. Like uh, you need to slow slow things down, sort of master your car, uh, craft, explore different areas of a business so that once eventually when you do have your own business, you know, you could master every single component of it. So that was very important for me. So like, how is, um, like, it's very important for me, like currently also at Swipe Guide, I'm doing a lot of account executive activities. So I'm doing, you know, the end mm. of the funnel as well. I'm closing deals. And that is helping me for, you know, eventually when I'm a founder myself in a few years. So to answer your initial yeah. question, I'm quite entrepreneurial. Um, I definitely do want to have a business one day of myself. Um, but, but yeah, so I thought that what really, energized me about that conversation is that I came across you and you gave me this it's a feeling it was you were very positive I like the way sort of you you know run about your business as well and that was very inspiring for me you know and uh, I think in life you know no one should have an ego if you see someone mm -hmm. that that you admire and that has a lot of skills you should always ask them how they got there um, always learn from them um, because that that's what ultimately helps you grow if you want to get into that position yourself um, so that, yeah, I thought what I took away from that was also the feeling and, and also 
learning about different components of a business, um, which is very valuable mm. for when you set something up for yourself. Oh yeah, I, I loved, and you know, that, again, that's why I've stayed in contact with you because you reminded me of me when I was starting this stuff out, and you was asking all the right questions, and you was like genuinely interested. And I said to you at that call, like, one day you will be a founder of your own business, and I can't <laughs> wait to see that happen. And, you know, I'm equally excited and selfishly excited that we've got you on the show because one day, you know, in a couple of years could be the near future <laughs> when you have launched that thing. You say, hey, remember when this guy was on this episode of the SDR Disco <laughs> Cool Show? Like this, like this was the early days and we'll be able to take these sound bites and snippets and whatnot and celebrate with that. Um, and to your point, you know, like uh, I've been victim to it where we want to get from point A to B, point B as quick as we can. And it's realizing that once you get to the final destination, that's it. You know, so it's all about trying to enjoy what you're doing now and trying to, you know, milk it for what it is and try and learn and absorb as much as you can because that will, you know, make you an all-rounded individual. Mm. And I think the most humbling thing which happened to me a few months ago where, you know, post-pandemic, I thought happy selling my business was going to go under. And I was umming and ahhing as to, you know, whether to sell it or, you know, go into a different direction. And I reached out to one of my idols where I kind of learned his journey and I reached out to him on one day on Instagram and I was like, dude, I don't know what the hell to do. You know, I gave him the scenario and he said, this is what I think and this is what I think is happening to you and this is what you need to do about it. And then the most humbling thing he did was, he's like, Neil, I'm a CEO of my own business. I have no freaking idea what the hell I'm doing. I'm learning this as I go along. And when I heard that from him, I was like, you're just like, as in like, you're just a normal human being. You know, you're a real person. And you're not trying to be like nonchalant about it. And I was like, okay, I'll buy into that. And I was like, okay, maybe this thing could work out. And you know what? It, it all did work out. But it's like enjoying this process. And tough as it may be, sometimes we can get bored and we can get annoyed and frustrated of where we are. Everything works out the way that it should do, right? Yeah. So, uh, no, I've really enjoyed this conversation as well, Sid. Um, so, like, as, as we ask with all our guests, like, you've been on this journey and, you know, future on. One day I'm going to see, like, you, the CEO of your own business. I can, I can see it now. Blessings. I'm calling it now. Uh, what, what three bits of advice would you give to a younger Sid who's just about, you know, he's just given up academia. He's, he's come to that decision. What three bits of advice would you give to that young man? Mm. I would say um, don't think, don't take things too personally. So don't, um, you know, even rejection on a day-to-day, -day, even, um, you know, within sales, you, you, especially sales development, you you constantly face rejection. And it's nothing personal. It's just business and it's just the, the nature of the job. Uh, so it definitely like, uh, I mean, over the course of my sales development career so far, I've gotten a thick skin. Um, at the beginning, I was very emotional about it. I was taking things too personally. Um, so pretty much detached from, from all of this negativity. It's just, it's just the job and focus on the good. Uh, second is um, every day is a new day. So, you know, you can have one of those disastrous days, um, you know, like where everything goes wrong, uh, nothing is working. But then, you know, the next day is a brand new day. So like uh, prepare yeah. yourself for success. Try and remove what you can't control. Start focusing on and visualizing the success for the next day. So take everything in like on a daily basis. Don't like don't make like long goals for yourself, but take each day as it comes. And the third thing is um, start start formulating your story. Um, everyone has a unique story, uh, where they come yep. from, who they are, how they got there. Um, start thinking about it. Like you're not nobody. You're you're not just some person in the ocean. You're unique. 
Uh, know yourself, know where you came from, know where you want to go, because that's what's going to help you in your career. It's going to help you make networks. It's going to help you in the other interviews. Um, so start crafting it in your head and then obviously developing it as you grow in your career. So yeah, these three things I would give to myself as, a, as an advice. <laughs> I absolutely love them. They're solid bits of us. And, and the last bit I think is a very important piece of, you know, like know your story, like learn that story. And admittedly, like throughout my whole career, I've always had that story of like when I started off <clears throat> working in sales development, what I've gone through and I've added to it and I've amended it over years and it's become this huge story, which is now a slide that I present and share people. Um, but knowing that story, it kind of helps you with your, I wouldn't say so much moral compass, but it just kind of gives you a guiding light to give you stock of where you've come from and help you remember what your potential is and what your worth is and kind of like, you know, sky is the limit. Or as I say, there's, I, I don't like sky's the limit. Again, to Biggie, shout out to Biggie. Yeah, the, the reason I don't like sky's the limit <laughs> as a saying is I'm like, sky's a limit to me. Like it's, you know, it's stars and beyond because there is so much out there that you can do as an individual and you can accomplish and you're the only person that can do it. But yeah, I think using that story to help lift off, I know I'm always looking for space analogies, but go explore those stars. And you're one of those stars, and I'm great that you've come into our solar system today, Sid. And so a massive kudos to you. And in terms of kudos and shout-outs, is there anybody that you'd like to give a shout-out on today's show? Yeah, I would actually, um, typically, I would I would say shout-out to Alex Ramsey, uh, who is like uh, my manager at SensorFact. Um, shout-out to my current team at Swipe Guide. So the founders, Dan, Willamine, um, Tim, and also my team lead, Tim uh, Bushups, and John, who I work really closely with. Um, a couple more shout outs because I love all these people. Also, Michael Remon, who is the AE that I worked in at SensorFact. I think he's one of the best AEs out there. It was a great dream team. And finally, um, to my family and parents and my girlfriend whose support uh, makes all of this worthwhile. And, and I want to be successful to make them proud. So shout out to everyone. <laughs> That's a whole load of love. I absolutely love it. So thank you so much. And again, a big thank you to our listeners and watchers who have joined us on this journey with Sid today on the SDR Disco Call Show. A gentle reminder, if you're listening to this in whatever local podcast platform you can find us, please make sure that you give us a like and a subscribe. And you can also send us a voice note in the show notes of every podcast episode if you have any feedback for the guests. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure that you give a like, a comment and subscribe down below so that we can get more people listening into Sid's journey on the show today. But with all of us here at the SDR Disco Call Show, Sid, thank you so much for joining on today. I wish you a great week. Can't wait to see you as a founder of your company one day. And just remember that Neil was here in, in the background in the early days. Don't forget me. <laughs> How can uh, I forget Have Neil. a great Thanks week. <laughs> <laughs> and happy selling, Sid. Thank you so much. Lots of blessings. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. If you work in tech sales and have a career or story that you'd love to share, then please email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'll be in contact to book in a show. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR 
disco call, one word, at bcast, which is b-c-a-s-t dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.